It's a Filipino word called malasakit, and um, I guess for me the English translation is care, caring, or you really care. It's not just enough to be passionate about something, but you have to care. And if you care for some for something or someone, whether it be your customers, your company, you'll you'll act accordingly. From McKinsey's business building practice, Leap, I'm Andrew Roth, and welcome to The Venture, a series featuring conversations with legendary venture builders in Asia about how to design, launch, and scale new businesses. In each episode, we cut through the noise to bring practical advice on how leaders can build successful businesses from scratch. Welcome to our second episode of The Venture, and today I'm excited to have on the show Glenn Estrella from Globe Telecommunications the largest mobile network operator in the Philippines with a total subscriber base of 97 million. Today, Glenn is the entrepreneur in residence at 917 Ventures, Globe's corporate incubator. There's a lot to cover. Glenn's journey with Globe since the 90s and his second time returning in 2011, how they were able to double customer growth for some of their partners and looked inward and started to grow their own services and new businesses, and what he thinks about building startup culture within a large organizations like Globe. Welcome, Glenn. Great to have you on the show. Hey, Andrew. It's good to see you again and good to hear from you. I hope you're doing well and thanks for inviting me. Yes. So let's begin the conversation uh, kind of stepping back in time to 2011 when you rejoined Globe. So you were at Globe, then you went into sort of the startup or entrepreneurial world. In 2011, you came back and give us a, a sense of what drove you to return to Globe and what excited you in your first year back? I was out running a Globe subsidiary, just doing my thing. I actually, you know, just having turned around that company after a year. And I got a call to, uh, I got invited to take over the, or lead the digital media team of Consumer Mobile. And I think they were looking for someone who knows Globe, since I've been with Globe since the 90s, uh, and I've been in and out several times, and who also knows the, non-telco side, like the internet side of things. So that was when I rejoined 2011. And back then, uh, the the intent was this digital media team was to practically give people, consumers reason to go use mobile internet. It wasn't enough to just uh, sell them mobile data packs, you know, just to access. And back then, you know, the only thing people knew about the internet was Facebook. Uh, and a lot of the Facebook users was on, they were on Wi-Fi and they were not necessarily using their mobile internet service from the carriers uh, to access, uh, to access Facebook. Uh, so that was the intent back then of, you know, coming. Yeah. I remember, I remember cause when I, when I moved to Singapore, uh, in 2011, I heard about this, this, this Facebook and telco strategy to offer consumers sort of a basic version or entry or free version of Facebook to to get them interested in in data basically yeah but back then there wasn't uh, there was nothing for free back then and we believe that it was trying to give people more people giving away for free basically removes the friction of spend uh, being a country predominantly prepaid mobile right we needed to be able to remove the pricing friction Prior to the journey with Facebook, there was a similar free trial done with an, with another partner on search, 
right? So we did that. It didn't work quite well because, you know, it was a different experience from what people were used to. And that taught us a lesson on how important user experience is, right? And since people were using Facebook a certain way, the goal was not to change that experience, right? But just go in the app, go in the mobile side of Facebook and nothing happens. It just happens to be free and just tell them that it's free. So that was the, that was the goal there, right? To, and then that worked. It took us about eight months with Facebook guy, with the Facebook guys being in country, working out the engineering side of it. And we were also kind of relatively new uh, to it. And that worked out really well, actually. So from joining back in 2011, you were, you were driving this media or internet team and in eight months, you got uh, this partnership with Facebook going. Are you able to share any initial numbers or, or rough, rough ranges of, of what success was? So back then, well, we did first the first one with, with Google. That was, I think, around 2012, I think. Um, and then Facebook happened a year later. And we were about 1.5 million mobile internet users. And uh, after launching free Facebook, we jumped within 90 days, doubled it. Um, the remarkable part there was everything else kind of haloed. You know, people were moving, shifting um, to globe. Uh, people were, was, what should we say, spending more actually. So they would top up more, not just data, but they would top up more credits and more, you know, SKUs on globe. So it, it just kind of like, snow, you know, it, it turned out to be this storm and wave and we had to keep feeding and people started learning how to oh there's more to it than facebook on going the internet <laughs> and uh you know and then every so often we had to feel the beast so to speak the hunger for anything out there uh then everything happened with viber then and so like spotify happened so that's those are the you know the things that we kind of had to feel the consumers with so it was great. So you took, it sounds like you took the friction out from a customer experience perspective to introduce them to, uh, to internet, to, to data, and then that sort of domino effect into other behaviors. Yes. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Yeah. Then when did some of the conversations start happening with, with Ernest and others around building new businesses, uh, sort of uh, as, 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 you know, based on that uh, initial success? So it happened, so every year it was something, right? So we launched Google first, then we launched Facebook, Viber, and then Spotify. So every year, every so often, we would launch an OTT partner, um, even Grab as well, like supporting them, right, uh, over Uber. And they over, overtook Uber in like overnight because Globe, uh, Grab gave Globe, you know, a special freebie for its consumers and Globe pushed out grab to, to its mark, uh, marketing to its base so it just worked out for both right around 20 i think towards the late 2015 or early or maybe late 2014 uh i was actually sitting on the board of several other companies um subsidiaries and we were playing around with certain things and around towards the end of 2015 that's when um Globe was getting mature on it. We're, we were no longer selling mobile data. Uh, we were communicating. We're your network partner. We're a telecom partner when it comes to 
going to the internet, right? Whether it be search, social media, chat, whether it be video streaming, whether it be sports, where you're go to. And that became more mainstream with the core telco guys. So that has matured. Globe has matured in that sense. And then we started focusing on, hey, if we can do that for other partners, why can't we do that for some homegrown pain points, problems that we can find and see if we can kind of do that for some of our unique ideas somewhat. So that's when it all kind of started. And one of the early days product we got was G Movies. It's a it's like Fandango. It's it's it, you know, it's a you can book your movie ticket. Uh, on that app, it sounds like a big. Doesn't sound like a big deal for most, but in the case of the Philippines, the cinemas are run by the different mall operators, so you have to talk to each one, uh, which was kind of not easy. And they were still kind of not there yet on online, so that presented an opportunity. Well, that's interesting. So you were able to make partners successful. Then you decided, okay, well, why don't we create our own assets, our own businesses, and 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 scale them. How did you, you know, was there a process where you landed on, on movies? You know, did you have like a whole portfolio of ideas and then narrowed it down? What, what was that decision like on, on where to play basically? To be perfectly honest, back then it was more, cons- it, it was also personal experience for most. And, you know, you get validation from research data of your own customer base. And, you know, uh, we adopted things like, I was I was fortunate enough that Peter and Ernest would allow me to do things kind of freely. So that kind of allowed us to do, well, he allowed me to do some stuff, right? As long as it was not expensive. Uh, and uh, so we did, so that's how we kind of got to it. Then a year later, we created, we kind of formalized innovation for, you know, by creating an, an innovation team, uh, innovating from within, mostly moving out. Uh, and then uh, I was carved out so to speak, I was reporting to Ernest already by the end of 2015. And we just worked out, we just, it was kind of like an earn, it was Ernest really just kind of like helping us out, giving us some mandates on what to do. And he was giving us pain point problems across, across Globe Telecom, uh, meaning clients, right? Or even internal problems or pain points. And he would ask us to solve them. And some of it came from there. Okay. So you had, um, a direction from Ernest. It sounds like you had some some freedom as well. So when you were building this innovation group and getting into movies, was it spun off as a subsidiary or was the operating model still under Globe? Ernest had this phrase that says, "Let you know, a thousand flowers bloom." Right? So no, nobody has a monopoly on innovation because if you have a customer base or a business that's you know worthwhile, then naturally you'll just you know, move out and be a company of its own. So that's one of the things I that spun off under my under my term. Okay. So a bit of, a bit of both then. So you had yes. some some ideas stayed within, some mm-hmm. some spun off. Yeah, some of the ideas that stay within are pretty much things like uh, we did this uh, IVR technology that helped Globe do their billing collection. It was actually all homegrown and what happened was we reduced the cost of call centers by 50% and uh, doubled our collection rate. So with a very minimal investment, it's still, it's still there until today. It's like it's probably five years old now. Um, and it's all homegrown. And, and, you know, the guys in Global adopted it using it. Interesting. So it sounds like you were, you were innovating for 
areas to improve the core business like billing and spinning off new businesses like advertising. Yes. Yeah. This is a big question that we often get uh, when talking to CEOs and and other organizations is, you know, ideas are great. uh, Prototypes are great. But if we really want to drive long-term impact, how do we get the talent and the culture? I look for people who worked in startups. So anybody with a with experience on digital advertising, performance marketing, that's always a good one. So you, so there's this uh, debate about, you know, hiring for experience or hiring for culture. Normally when you have the right behavior and, you know, the right attitude, training them on some topic because they're normally very intelligent people, so it's not so hard to tr- to train them or teach them anything. You know, and I allow these guys to really fail <laughs> and fail big. So, okay. So, but, but what you're saying is failure is allowed. Fail, you, you, you give people the space to fail. That's, that's, that's interesting because that's a, that's a word that often incumbents or corporates uh, don't want to talk about. Cause we're, we're run, like we're risk takers. We can afford to be risk takers because we haven't built a big business yet. Right. Unlike if you're probably running a bigger corporation, risks have to be really, I guess, probably looked at a lot more, more closely. Uh, but if you're trying to experiment things, right, ideas and test them, you're, allowed, you're supposed to allow people to make mistakes. And but at the same time, these are manageable mistakes that I, you know, that I can handle also if it goes up the chain and, oh, this happened, whatever, and I should be able to step in. So normally, the, the the guys would talk to me, Glenn. Okay, okay. So these are the options you can take. So, but it's up to you what you want to do. Uh, so let's say they give me five options. I'll give you okay. Oh, well, the five you could probably do one, two, three, and these are the potential bombs or landmines that will go off. But any of those, I can, you know, I can take for the team. So they need to feel safe, or else you're going to be micromanaging the whole time. Right. So in the context of a large organization, you're, you're helping to provide cover for your team uh, if those failures happen. And uh, I would imagine that can be stressful for you, right? So we're talking about failure, giving team members the space to, to win and fail, creating that culture. You know, you had told me once that Ernest has a single word for culture. Can you, can you explain that? It's a Filipino word called malasakit. And um, I guess for me, the English translation is care, caring, or you really care. It's not just enough to be passionate about something, but you have to care. So our culture is the circle of happiness. And and if you care for some for something or someone, whether it be your customers, your company, you'll, you'll act accordingly. Uh, and if it's sincere caring, right? And I care, I care enough that it has to be done a certain way. I care enough that I don't want to release a product that I know it's MVP, but you know, there are certain things why an MVP should be an MVP. Or uh, I care enough that I can't have a product without some form of feedback from the consumer. So things like that. Um, it really cuts deep because we started caring for our company. We said, you know, back before I rejoined, there was this kind of like, we, we didn't want to be associated with Globe, even though we work for Globe. Uh, and now, like, I wear the, you know, people wear the ID proudly, so much so that it's now a clothing line, 0917 clothing. Uh, so there, that's kind of like the culture for us. And in the midst of 
COVID-19, any, any discussions on how you're going to live that, that culture, you know, as things kind of uh, loosen up and, and an economy start reopening, any, any areas you're looking at demonstrating the, the, the culture of care? Well, since the uh, start of the lockdown, um, the first thing that uh, Globe did, and again, it's a function of how our Ernest thinks, right? He made sure that our people are safe, number one. But that had more implication for the frontliners, the telco frontliners who are out there fixing problems with network cell sites, rolling out broadband internet connections, delivering prepaid modems, even though there was a lockdown checkpoints, right? So if we want to service our, our customers, we need to protect our people, right? So that's, that's, what, that's what's great about having our leaders who think like that, you know, protect our employees, make sure they're safe to do their jobs, and they don't have to worry about their families. Right, right. They they need to see. Uh, they need to role model the you know actual behavior, so it's not just a, a sign on on the wall. Yeah, and 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 Ernest is the real deal. I mean, he's you've met him, so I, I'm just very privileged to you know to to be able to work with him and work for him and try and, and try to live up to the vision or the vision and the things he wants to accomplish. And it's a it, it's a privilege, really. That seems like a. a a theme and what we've been discussing so far is you returned to Globe in 2011 with support from leadership. You innovated with support from leadership. You started these new businesses with same uh, support. And as we move forward, it seems even in, in the context of COVID-19, they're leading from the front. What about, let's, let's dig a little bit deeper into some of these businesses, right? Because I, I'm sure you're looking at some of these MVPs or these new businesses that you've launched and you're thinking of how, how to adjust based on, on COVID-19. But, you know, can you share a little bit about one of them that you started that you feel like you're reaching scale or you're well beyond product market fit? And what are you tracking on a daily basis? Just take us sort of like through the day in the life of one of those businesses that is going through a, a growth stage right now? Driving growth at a time like this is really, a, it's really challenging. But I think the, the principles haven't changed, right? We're a telco, we're in a position to provide connectivity. So in that sense, we're already relevant. Now, why is that more relevant today? Well, people staying home, it's not just about giving people internet so they can watch Netflix all night, right? All day, right? Or whatever. But what I've seen, and I think it's what's being seen, and I'm sure it's being seen more than just in the Philippines, is you know these businesses are not we're not ready. So there's I don't know if you saw this online. There's a joke about who drove your digital transformation. Was it your CIO? <laughs> was it your CIO? Was it your uh, CEO? Or was it COVID? Right. So <laughs> COVID, yeah, COVID forced everybody online, and uh, you know so connectivity. Sales also went up, bandwidth also went up, um, but it, it's not enough because these SMEs also, even the large corporates, like, okay, what do we do? How do we do this? <laughs> and how do you get online? And that's where we kind of play. And to Gcash, did one of the businesses like Gcash or any of the other subsidiaries see a similar growth? I think all the fintech companies uh, have seen it, uh, but Gcash is doing really well because uh, it's really easy to use. So Gcash is a mobile wallet, right? And it's basically, you just need to open up, a, download the app and you use any mobile number. It's not dependent whether you're on a globe number or not. 
And once you've opened it and you know did your KYC, you can funnel in your cash. And the way to do that is if you have an if you're any bank, you can connect all your banking apps there too or your bank services. But if you're like uh, like in the Philippines, there's a lot of unbanked people. What they could do is uh, you know they could also do the cash in points, right? And kind of put money through a convenience store and of our machines. Although that kind of proved a little challenging in the first part. But now, since there's some opening people going out now, that's doing, that's ha- that's working out uh, slowly. But there's also like companies, like there's also a payroll solution in Gcash. So there's a way to get your money on Gcash as well, right? And are you, are you seeing a, investment in the product backlog with, with with Gcash and other subsidiaries, you know, as as you prepare to come out of COVID-19 or at least in the, the sort of recovery stage of this? Have there been talks about, you know, in, investing in more engineering or different types of use cases or are you more uh, keeping the steady growth? I think now it's uh, for the startups that, you know, we're in charge of now, at least the ones that are incubation mode or scale mode. There's already funding for that, so that just keeps on going. Personally, I think we should be be more. We should think about what are the opportunities that are not immediately seen by most people. That's happening, but because of what's happening, like when people start going back to work or going back outside, there's a lot of opportunities to solve problems just right there, right? So, um, but in terms of investment, I think you know there's more than enough funding where it'll come from. I think it's all about speed to test, you know, speed to try out. And uh, the guy who gets there first, you know, there's, a, there's some degree of an advantage. And that's the whole premise of what we do, trying to unlock the globe consumer base to try out these things. And, and that's a good segue to speed and incubation and what you're doing now with 917 Ventures. What's your, what's your role in 917 and what, what is it? So 917 Ventures is Globe's corporate incubator. And similar to what, you know, one of the things, principles we have is if we're able to grow the apps coming out of the U.S. or some other country, we should be able to do the same for ourselves. Because a colleague of mine coined this term, said, you know, we're kingmakers. So why not do that for uh, like the things like G-movies back then? Um, we're doing it also for all our other startups now. Like, how do you fuel Gcash growth through Globe, right? And how do you fuel, like, my startup on white label loyalty, right? How do I get that on board the thousands of business customers that the Globe has, right? So, so that's, that, that's, the, that's the principle. So I'm an EIR. I'm an EIR. I'm an entrepreneur and resident, right? And I handle more than one startup in either incubation mode or in scale mode. And you're mentioning how this type of corporate incubator is a little bit different because you do have access to the core business under Globe and the the advantages that come from that. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it can be simple things as SMS, SMS broadcast marketing, right? It could be that simple. I mean, why do I have to pay some digital advertising spend, you know, and just use the base to try out a product? So the our our belief is these are assets that businesses would you know would kill for, and it does work in my sales pitch for the white labels that you know you could probably line up five different providers for your loyalty. I must admit, maybe one or two of them will probably have better technology than I do. But who would bring you 
you know, 95 million customer consumers to your doorstep, right? Yeah, you, you have these distribution channels through the, the core business. They're waiting for you. You know, you're right. The startup every three months or so with their board has to report on how they're going to scale, how they're going to get further growth and distribution. And uh, it's interesting that with 917 now, you've, you've pretty much made that into a, a model where the startups that go through the incubation of 917 have access to the uh, advantages of, of being affiliated with Globe. Yeah. It's so different from what we guys, what we discussed before, right? Companies like Pingan, right? So um, I think, like Ernest will always remind us, remind us, right? Uh, we all have probably the same strategy and plans, but it all boils down to who's going to execute it better and faster. Right. Okay, so speaking of execution and, and being fast, I'm going to ask you a few lightning round questions. Okay, you ready? Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Fire, fire right. away. <laughs> okay, who would you want on your board, Elon Musk or Jack Ma? Okay, I guess quick question, a quick answer would be Jack Ma. Yeah, that's 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 understandable. That's understandable. Okay, now in a world without Globe, what startup or company would you want to work for? Oh. I'd probably I'd, I'd probably do my own thing. I'd probably do a startup, and that startup would probably more be more on the agricultural side, or uh, yeah, it'll be probably around or farming and how to bring technology and automation to that side. Okay, we need to have a another conversation uh, to dig into that. That's interesting. Describe your startup superpower in a few words. Well, I'd like to believe if there is such a thing that we would have or I'd like to have more of is kind of like Wolverine's healing ability as a startup, even though you're even though you have a globe as a backer, right? Even within fighting within globe or, you know, the quicker you heal, you know, you keep fighting on. It's true. It's not it's not talked about enough, but the the daily ups and downs mentally of being in the sort of startup speed is uh, is significant. So, so Glenn, you know, I love the way, uh, just to quickly summarize, I love how you went in your journey from innovating in the core business back in 2011, learning a lot from these partnerships and making them king, kingmakers, as, as you'd mentioned, your colleague had put it, and then that creating the confidence to start building your own businesses and then learning on how to, you know, adopt failure and, and bring that kind of culture and recruiting people externally. And I think that's a really, you know, some of these are like really important messages for other venture builders who are at that beginning part of the journey. You know, you don't always need to, to come up with the, the next amazing business model out of thin air. It, it's, it is a learning process and a journey. Yeah. And then what you've been saying around relevance and where the opportunities are. I think that that will probably be another conversation um, we should have because I think there's going to be a lot of positive things that that we can do as we go into sort of the COVID-19 recovery process. Totally agree. Totally agree. <laughs> so Glenn, I want to thank you for your time. It's been a great conversation and uh, look forward to catching up soon. Now comes the segment where we invite founders and experts from McKinsey to provide more context and to draw practical insights. And I'm again joined by my colleague, Thomas Lavoca from McKinsey's business building practice, Leap. Thomas, welcome back. What struck you the most from the conversation with Glenn? I think one thing which really stood out for me was the search for the unfair advantage for Globe and 917, right? 
they started off with uh, the partnerships and they discovered they, by partnering with um, uh, big companies like Google, Facebook, later Spotify, they were able to provide not just connectivity, but ultimately double the number of the users. And on the spine of the users later on, they were able to bring and leverage go-to-market channels for the 917 ventures, right? So they, they were able to hack the, the, the go-to-market with 95 million users, which is pretty impressive. And it seems that they're always on a hunt, on a search for, for more opportunities, leveraging on their assets and, and solving more entrepreneurial problems. Yeah, it when it comes to innovation, they learned a lot from these partnerships that gave them the, the courage then, or, or at least asked the question, you know, shouldn't we be doing this for ourselves? And yeah. they started launching these new services with, with movies and loyalty and cash. And in order to do that, I think Glenn made it clear that uh, words like failure needed to be okay. Uh, and not, not from the perspective that, hey, let's just go and fail, because I think People almost cheer failure too much, but it's important in the in the in the sake of moving fast and speed. So, so failure is a big word uh, when it comes to to culture. What were your thoughts there? Mm. That's interesting, right? Because when we talk with the CEO, something which we which we do see as this uh, resistance to failure, right? People people fear to fail. Yet uh, you have the leaders who are telling you the velocity of your experiments, the number of times that you fail, ultimately defines the the probability of your success. Um, and it's clear that Glenn uh, provides the environment uh, where it's okay to fail. Yeah, we heard we heard the word care from Glenn. We heard the word open in our last episode with with Aaron Tan from Caro. Yeah, and I would say both were able to explain how they made the words that are meaningful to their culture more than just a, a poster on the wall. And uh, I think that's going to be the continuing theme is 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 around how do you do win? How do you win? How do you make things like failure okay? How do you engender the right culture that? that is role modeled by the leaders. I think it'll be, it'll be interesting to, to hear from more guests in the future and how they're making culture real and role modeled. You have been listening to The Venture with me, Andrew Roth. If you like what you've heard, subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Don't forget to leave a review and rating on your favorite episode. We will be back with a brand new episode next month.